podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. For some people, and I bet you know people that are like this, life is all about things being fair. Everything has to be fair. And in fact, I know someone, whether in my house or out of my house, I do not know, God knows, who insists on fairness. Now, I used to be like that too, because a long time ago, even though my kids have a hard time imagining it, I was a child. And as a little kid, I used to go to my dad and say, but it's not fair when he would make some decision about something or other. To which my dad's response was always, whoever said life was fair? Well, Clearly, my dad never had a conversation with St. Paul, because Paul writes to Corinthians at long length about things being fair and about encouraging fairness. In fact, he says explicitly in our writing, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but everything I ask is as a matter of fairness. Now, our world wants things to be fair, too. In fact, there's been a lot of attempt by different philosophers, teachers, academics to try and figure out how we can take things that seem to be unfair in the world and make them right. Marxism and communism came out of a good-hearted effort from Karl Marx, a philosopher, looking at all of the inequality in means of production and material goods to try and figure out, is there not some way we could structure things so that everything would be fair? But you all know the joke about communism and capitalism and the two cows, right? Capitalists like to say, capitalism is where you have two cows And you sell the milk from the cows to buy a bull and get more cows. But communism is where you have two cows and the government takes both and sometimes gives you milk. The reason why it's funny is because no matter how we try and create a system that will bring fairness on an economic level, it always fails. Because there's more going on. Marxism, of course, assumes that having things is the only good in life that needs to be fair. And if Christians know anything, it's that having stuff is not the most important thing in life. What about being kind, about being generous? What about having good friends and family and neighbors? Go down the list of things that Luther talks about in the catechism that are the great goods that come from our Heavenly Father, and goods and possessions are only a small slice of it. Having a good reputation, good weather, good government, good friends and neighbors, a good spouse and good children are all part and parcel of having good. And how do you make sure that that's fair in the world? Of course, in our modern day, we are going through a time of trying to figure out why there seems to be so much injustice and unfairness to different peoples. Our whole country right now is once more going through this whole truth and reconciliation issue of the way some of us treated the people that were already here when we arrived and how the church tried to treat people to bring them the gospel, but 
much less bring them the gospel and more about bring them their culture. If only we could make everybody like Europeans, there would be fairness. And we all see how that worked out. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is definitely not, if we look at Marxism and communism and attempts at racial justice, commanding people to do the right thing. Because no matter how many times we try and command fairness or impose fairness, it always seems to backfire. You cannot make people fair by fiat. And that's why when Paul, who's really just talking like Jesus, talks about fairness and equality, it is so different. Listen again to what Paul says to the Corinthians. As you excel in everything, and there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness going on here because Paul has struggled with the Corinthian church and all the things they think they excel at but maybe don't. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, notice he doesn't say your love for us, because that's still an issue. See that you excel in this act of grace also, the act of generosity. I say this, Paul says, not as a command. I do not say this as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Paul understands theologically that the whole command business has never worked. God himself tried to demonstrate that at Mount Sinai. I have freed you slaves from Egypt. I have delivered you from the hands of an oppressive empire. I am going to give you your own land. I am going to give you freedom, and I am going to, therefore, ask you to do some things for me and for each other. And God lays down the law and gives the Ten Commandments and gives the Levitical Code and gives all sorts of arrangements, not just so that people will remember that he is their God, but also so that there will be fairness. Those of you on Wednesday nights who have been going through the prophets with me, see how the prophets are continually harping on the fact that the Israelites were very good at the minutia of the commands. Which bull to sacrifice on what day? Which candles to light for what feast? When to go to temple and when to offer thanksgiving to God? What they lacked was an ability to carry out the laws and the commands of fairness. Forgiving people their loans in the Jubilee years, setting people free, treating the sojourner among them as they treated the native born. That the external command simply could not get them to do. And so when Paul has that experience on the road to Damascus and becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, is baptized in Syria and becomes part of the body of Christ. He realizes that the way God is going to change the world from now on is from the inside out. Because the external commands are not working. And so Paul says, let's talk about fairness for a moment in his letters. Do you know what's supremely unfair? That you and I have rejected God 
that you and I are not kind towards our neighbors as we are kind towards ourselves, that you and I have not done the things God has asked, and instead of God coming and meeting discipline out on you and I, he took it out on himself. It's not fair that it's Jesus hanging on that cross and not you and I. It's not fair that it was God that had to suffer and not the people who did the wrong. And so in that moment, God says, I'm going to teach you a new kind of fairness that leads to genuine generosity. I will forgive your sins. I will take you who are my enemies and make you my friends. I will take a world that deserves to be punished and instead of punishing the world, will save the world myself. And now if you want to talk about fairness, if you want to talk about, but why should I have to support those people? Or why should I have to give towards that thing? Or why should I be nice to that person? Instead of Paul coming along and saying, well, you know the law, you know the code, Paul refers them back to the cross. It says, before you get talking about what's fair and what's equal and what's right, let's talk about Jesus. For you know the undeserved kindness shown by our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes, that though he was rich, though he had a throne, though he was Lord of all things, yet for your sake he became poor, laid aside his throne, set aside his power so that you by his poverty might become rich." That is the basis, Paul says, on which we can now talk about the question of fairness and equality. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. My wife has generously called this Stewardship Sunday, and you know, why not? Because when you get a passage like this, you really do have to talk about what we're doing with all the stuff God gives us and whether we are, in fact, doing what Paul encourages the Corinthians to do after having reflected on this cross. The reality is I am here as a pastor, I'm here as a preacher, I'm here as a missionary because of the exceeding generosity of a whole group of people, dozens and dozens of congregations and individuals, most of whom you will never meet. People in Clorinda, Iowa, like the Sunderman family, people down in Houston, Texas, like my former parishioners at Memorial Lutheran Church. Elizabeth Hepner and the Lamberson family and the Martin family moved up to Indiana and the Martin, the Martin family who are still down in Houston, Texas. And I could go down the list of the Tackets and the Ogdens and all of them who give generously so that I can be here, not preaching to them, not ministering to them at their hospital beds, not teaching their children, but teaching you, ministering to you, praying for you. They don't know you, but the generosity that the Lord has shown to them has overflowed now to all of you here in Montreal. The same with Emily. We have gone and talked to people in the English district and the SELC district and St. Athanasius Lutheran Church in Virginia and all sorts of other congregations who have never met you, never even been to Ascension. Some of them have never even been to Montreal or Canada, for that matter. 
And yet they are supporting the work that Emily is doing in sharing the gospel with people that are not sitting here in these pews. Through our English classes, through our new open houses that we're going to start on Wednesdays, the sign, which I hope you're all enjoying, our beautiful sign that we have out here came from a gift from somebody who will never be here in Montreal to see it. But their generosity has overflowed to us and is now overflowing to the people of Montreal that they too might know the exceeding generosity of a very unfair God. Unfair because he doesn't give us what we deserve, but loves us by grace. So the question then is for us, how do we respond? What do we do with the gifts God has given to us? takes funds to keep a church going. Anybody who served on council knows that. In fact, the majority, uh, the, the, if you might say the plurality of our budget, not the majority, plurality of it is just to keep this building going, to keep the masonry fixed, to keep the electricity on, to make sure the furnace is still working, to keep the internet going so that we can have Zoom services, to do all of these things. When you put money in the offering plate virtually or otherwise, a good chunk of that goes just to be able to have this space where we can worship, which is a blessing. Another good chunk of that goes to support the work that Emily is doing, the phone calls that she makes, checking up on all of you, the English classes that she's teaching, providing English materials for our English teachers and our volunteers. Volunteers here at this church. We have been blessed with any number of people that give up hours and hours of their time that they've been given by God to serve you through Ladies Aid, through Altar Guild, contacting people, through our English classes, through setting up and tearing down before outreach events and after outreach events, through buying food for people, through looking after people and their illnesses, visiting them in their apartments, cleaning out apartments, right? Why do we do those things? Because Pastor Sinan said, well, in the Constitution, Article 3, Section 2, it says you need to go out and be nice to people. No. We do it. Because over and over again, in this good news place, we are reminded of the exceeding generosity of our God. What Jesus has done for us, unilaterally, without our having asked for it, and without our having deserved it. And so Paul says, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. What Paul means by fairness is considering what you have that you don't deserve and sharing it with others who might need but do not have. Some of you might have heard of the experimenter Franz de Waal. He's one of those researchers who has been puzzled by why it is that humans are nice to each other, why we do strive for fairness, why we try and have some degree of equality. And of course, to research these things, he looks at monkeys for some reason, as if monkeys are the answer. So he did an experiment with capuchin monkeys where he put monkey in one cage, wire cage, right next to a monkey in another cage. 
and would teach these monkeys that if they gave the researcher a little pebble from this stack of rocks in the corner of their cage, then the researcher would give them a little bit of food. In the first case, cucumber, which let's face it, cucumber by itself, not all that exciting. It's mostly water and a little bit of fiber. But nonetheless, the monkeys were trained, give a pebble, get a piece of cucumber. Then they changed the experiment. They gave cucumber to one monkey, but a nice, juicy, sugary grape to the other. You can see this experiment on YouTube. It's rather stunning, but we don't have a screen here, so I'm just going to have to describe it to you. Pebble in the hand of the researcher from one monkey gets a cucumber. Pebble in the hand of the researcher from the monkey next door gets a grape. Monkey's watching this. Next door monkey getting the grape. Monkey next door gives the pebble. Researcher gives the monkey a cucumber. Monkey looks at cucumber, pitches it at the researcher's face. It's not fair. I want a grape like my neighbor. Why do I have to eat this crummy cucumber? In our nature, our fallen nature, the nature we inherited from Adam and Eve, the nature that would eat from the tree of knowledge rather than the tree of life, that's us. It's not fair. My neighbor got a Porsche, and here I am, suck drunking, a, driving a Chevy Bolt or taking transit. My neighbor got a raise, I didn't. They get a nice apartment, I didn't. Huh, not fair. That is not you and I in Christ. It is not who we are who have been redeemed by Jesus. It is not in our nature as those who have been baptized. We don't think like that because we are not monkeys. We are the body of Christ. And so as a matter of fairness, our abundance supplies the needs of others so that their abundance may supply our need that there may be fairness. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.